Growing up sucks. Just ask Eric Lauber, father of three 20-somethings and a college professor for decades. Eric helps young adults get smarter, richer, healthier, and happier on the adulting podcast, Growing Up Sucks. Hey, welcome to the show, Kyle. I'm excited to talk to you today. I've, uh, we had some email exchanges, so I kind of know what we're going to generally talk about. But first, let me find out who you are and, and tell us something about yourself. Well, as you started, um, I'm Kyle. I'm I, a college student. I go for political science and journalism, except I don't know about the journalism part now. I might be changing that soon. Um, and I live about 30 minutes outside of Scranton. Um, Scranton, and- Pennsylvania, right? Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yes. Okay. Um, I, 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 I like to say that instead of the actual town name, because the actual town name is Harford, but nobody knows what Harford is, where it is. It, to give perspective, I only graduated with, I believe, about like 49 people in my yeah. high school class. It's, okay. a, it's a kind of a small town and I actually live outside of it. it it's a complicated thing. But No, if you um, say Hartford, I think Hartford, Connecticut. When well, you... it, Har, it, Har, it's Har, Hartford without the T. Ah. <laughs> I sometimes pronounce it wrong. Hartford, okay. Well, I got yeah. you now. In Scranton, um, is that where the office was supposed to be shot? At Scranton? That is, yeah. Oh. I, it, that's, that's why I say Scranton, because at least people are like, oh, like the office. Like got the it. office. Connecting. Yeah. Your graduating class had 49. I thought mine was small. We had 100. So we hit triple digits, but you were half of that. That's <laughs> a yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I'm meeting more and more people with smaller and smaller class size. I wonder if there's like a broader theme to that. I'm not entirely sure about it, but um, it, it's just interesting to me. Well, in, in the size of the university you go to, what's that? <sighs> I keep saying 18,000 in my head, but that was my old university I used to go to. The one I go to now... Uh, I think it's like 1,800 or something. I, I don't know. No, actually know. no 10,000. 9,000, yeah. It's around 9,000. 9,000, 10,000, yeah. So, but it's in a rural area, so you're just going to keep bumping into rural people, which is why the yeah. classes that's, are kind of small. Yeah. Well, you said that you are uh, just worried about the future, and you think maybe a lot of people your age are. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so... Um, over the past couple years, ever since really I graduated high school, I've been I've been one of the people who took a long time to figure out what they want to do. And, you know, I recently, I'm still kind of trying to figure out, hence why I elaborated that journalism might not be my path anymore. Um, but my biggest concern is, like, we entered this kind of, we've been, what I feel like is my generation has been through all these kinds of like life-changing events. Like it feels like one after another. I mean, that's not entirely true. We've obviously had big breaks between, but recently, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, it's really made me, you know, question as someone who is graduating fairly soon as, you know, is there, will there be a job for me to help me pay back my um, student loans? Because there's, there's a lot, Um, you know, it, it, Luckily, from what I can tell, the job market is bouncing back, but that still doesn't like dissuade my fears and stuff like that. And, you know, not only that, it just feels like politics have been going nowhere in the terms of like, you know, helping out, you know, because I'm, I'm part of like the poorer of the college students. You know, I didn't really have a lot of assistance going into it. And still to this day, I'm kind of going by my own 
kind of like thing, if that makes sense. So I, I've just sort of been yeah. feeling like it's me against the world, if that to summarize. Okay. Let me pick a couple of those things and reply to them and yeah, uh, get, sure. get your reply to that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up with uh, very little money at all, at all, and went to college, but on a scholarship, but we still had to take out loans for me to make my housing costs. So I did graduate with some debt. And then I went on to graduate school and got some more debt. But I learned to live super cheap in the process. And I'm I'm telling you now as a 50 something year old, the fact that I have a reluctance to spend and my wife is exact same way, same situation, has paid off tremendously for us. Uh, If you ever read the book, uh, The Millionaire Next Door, it's an old book from the 1970s. These two guys did this huge study of people who were like quiet millionaires. And, And it's been a long time since I've read it, but the takeaway is that it doesn't matter how much money you make if it all gets spent. You can't be a millionaire. You can't gradually accumulate enough money to have a million if you don't ever live below your means. And when you live below your means, then you can invest that and it, it takes time. Almost, almost all millionaires, my brother-in-law tells me, a stockbroker, got there gradually, slowly. And so the fact that you're going to make money someday and that you know you don't have to spend every dime that comes in and you're grateful for the money that you have and that you know you're going to invest when you can is going to pay off down the road. All right. So that's no fun now to hear. It's all going to work out down the road, right? The comment you made about you think your generation is really getting hit with the one, two, three punch. I remember feeling that exact same thing when I was 18 and 22 going to college too, because I think part of it is that I got to, I was starting to tune in to world events that were being discussed in my classes. Like world events have been happening forever, right? But I didn't know as a 17 year old, I wasn't paying any attention. But in college is when I really started to waken up and go, oh, there's a crisis over here in this country and there's, there's people dying. There's, there's wars going on all over the place and there's famine and there's sickness. And it made me very anxious. In fact, I even thought about joining the Peace Corps when I graduated college. And, but then now that I'm 30 some years down the road, I realize that's, that's the cycle of history. There's lots of stuff that goes on and we have such a connected news today I know that there's bad stuff in Myanmar. Myanmar? Is that how you say Myanmar? Uh, Myanmar, yeah. Myanmar, yeah. You're the poli-sci major. Help me out. (laughs) Yeah, which I wouldn't have known about maybe 30 years ago because the news wouldn't have gotten to me, right? And so I think that we're all going to have to live in a society where we hear about that stuff. But as a journalism major, you know we lead with the bad news because that attracts Mm -hmm. an audience. Happy stories about, you know, Boy Scouts helping senior citizens where they build a ramp in their front porch. We don't hear that in the national news or the nightly news, right? It's the shootings. It's the stuff that's going to scare people. And that's, I apologize being a part of that because I'm a journalism faculty, but there's this, there's this, you know, tendency on the part of the media to hype bad news because it does attract an audience. Um, that's a, that's an, and I'm not making that up. That's an historical thing and it's proven by research. And if you've ever uh, heard the history of this uh, war of papers that occurred in New York City for the, uh, the Spanish War down in, eight, I think it was 1812, 
down in, um, was it 1812? I'm thinking of the wrong year, 19, 1890. Never mind, I can't remember. 1890s, where we, uh, uh, Cuban, where the, the ship blew up down in Cuba, and we started a war with Spain over that. And they find out later that it wasn't purposely blown up, it was just an accident. But the newspapers hyped it up so tremendously in New York City that people started calling their Congress people and they actually took us to war. The newspapers did it because it sold papers. Talking about this ship blowing up and all these pe evil people and we have to go get them, sold papers. So that's part of my message is uh, either tune out <laughs> to, the, to the world events because they really don't have an immediate effect on you often or just, just get comfortable with the fact that that's what the news is going to present to you. Um, but third, let's talk about uh, getting a job. I think that's probably in the forefront of your mind. So you're a poli-sci journalism major, right? What, do you, what are your expectations for having a job? And I, I think the, and the biggest problem is, is I'm not entirely sure about that yet. And I'm getting to that point where I need to figure that out. But hey, Have you um, been to the Career Development Center yet at your college? I have, yeah. Um, we... And we've kind of discussed it. I ultimately, I think I want to kind of pursue something in academia. That feels like my strongest, like, but at the same time, you know, I don't know if I do want to go out there and, you know, start reporting on political events and stuff like that. I don't know if I want to be more, take a more activist approach to things. And mm -hmm. it's, I, I'm one of those people that have so many different interests that change on basically a whim <laughs> that, I, I, I'm still figuring it all out. I, I know at least that political science is where I'm supposed to be, if that makes sense. Like, it, it's definitely, that's not changing anytime soon. I just don't know necessarily what I want to do with it, if that makes sense, helps. No, no. Well, first off, my undergrad's in physics. I went for a master's in philosophy. I got a PhD in psychology. I teach communications and journalism. So changing, there's nothing wrong with changing, in my opinion. Uh, the, the one big skill you need is self-learning. And I think if you have that, you can go learn whatever you need to learn to become good at some other profession. You know, teach yourself, have some self-discipline, and bam, you are already got a foot in the door and you're on your way. So I'm not worried at all about that part. Poli-sci is fascinating because, like you said, there's the, there's the activism part of that. There, there's a need for a skill of reporting or writing from a particular angle. Uh, some people call it advocacy journalism that a lot of these associations need. They, people who ha are like-minded come together to save the whales or green energy or whatever it might be. But that, that, those group of people weren't put together logically by picking skill sets, right? They all just got passionate about a topic. For you to walk in and say, look, I can write and I can produce media, like, bam, boy, we need that. We, we've needed that for a while. Come help. You know, I don't know what the pay would be. That's always going to be a question. But look, journalists don't start off with very high pay anyway. I, I'm guessing it's in the 20,000s. And so you're, you know, if they offer you in the 20,000s and you go do something you love, boy, that's a great place to get started. You know, uh, I, I don't know what you were expecting to come out of my mouth about salary ranges, but <laughs> maybe it's 30 and I'm mistaken. It's not yeah. 50, just so you know. Honestly, I'm not looking for, I'm just looking for a salary that is 
will help me pay my bills and maybe every now and again go on vacation. Right. I'm not looking to get rich or anything. That's that's not how I I know some, you know, and some people are out there and I think they're pursuing perfectly fine majors that will get them where they want to be. Specifically, you know, STEM business majors, that kind of thing. But if you know, for me, it's always been about, you know, does the work that I do actually make me feel great and well and um as well like will it also pay my bills and stuff so i can yeah. still live in society here so i i'm not even looking for super high ranges as long as it, it pays my bills i don't really care that just yeah. is the work i'm doing fulfilling me helping someone else that's well let's ex- focus. let's explore that then and, and we're, we're more about the money part at all have you done any kind of work in poli sci journalism? Have you had an internship? Have you done something that's related to that? Uh, conveniently, um, the pandemic hit right when I was applying to a bunch of internships and programs and that kind of thing. So I kind of just lost my motivation there, but I'm looking to pick that back up in the fall um, next semester coming up. Um, oh, my, yeah. Let me interrupt a second. I, sure. I, I don't know if you thought of this, but it, you could you could probably write online right now for all kinds of organizations because they need content, and particularly if you're if you're not going to charge them an arm and a leg, which, given your situation, you probably could do some for free just to get the experience. But there's lots of websites and lots of blogs and lots of organizations, particularly large organizations that want to have new content daily or weekly on their website, who would love the chance for someone to show up and say, hey, I can write and I could shoot some media if you need. And by the way, I love your topic. Let's work together on this. So explore that now. Don't, you know, don't wait till the fall. Because if you yeah. want to get into it, just get into it. I think it's going to fire you up to find out that there are people who want you out there. But you're going to have to go find them. As I say, actually, last fall semester, I did write an op-ed for, because my university is going, like many universities across the United States, they're having some financial issues, and they went to um, retrench, lay off a bunch of faculty, um, some of whom I cared a lot about. Actually, my entire journalism department ended up getting um, layoff letters, basically, and I was, I went to the rallies, you know, I sent the emails, I called my, um, the cha- I called chancellor's offices, the president's office, so on and so forth. Sorry about that. I, um, but, it was, but did, did you enjoy doing that? I, I did, you know, it really fired me up to feel like I was a part of something. And that's, that's where I kind of got the idea that maybe I want to do some sort of activism, like with, you know, moving forward here. You know, because that that's what I was really passionate about, you know, trying to save the um, my professor's jobs. I don't know how effective we are. I know some people did were able to. I know personally that, I'm, unfortunately, I will be a communications media major with a focus in journalism next semester, unfortunately. But, you know, at least I, I went out there. I could say I did the best I could. Um, and it, but you know it, it makes me think of towards the, lo- the the larger future. You know what can I do in the future to help prevent this happening again? If, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I you know I'm thinking about after graduation for you. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if higher ed as a topic is your number one passionate topic, 
there's a fairly limited, as far as I know, positions in higher ed advocacy. There's think tanks in D.C., which as a policy manager, you might just enjoy going to D.C. There are other organizations that promote higher education or they critique higher education. So you could start looking those up right now and, and start to explore. Do they have opportunities? Are they looking for interns? Do they want people to kind of write freelance or to do research freelance? If on the other hand, you're thinking of graduation, well, it's not necessarily higher ed. I just like a, a range of topics. You got to narrow it down because uh, there's lots of different advocacy types out there. And you're going to be knocking on doors here when you graduate. And I think it's better to have a focus. I'm, not, I'm knocking on these kinds of doors. And the, the cool thing is uh, um, when you knock on some doors enough, they might recommend you to another place. Like, you know, I was talking, I'm the executive director of organization A. I don't really need you right now, but I know all the other organization directors and, and Sally down the road needs exactly what you just said. So that brings up another topic, networking. Yeah. So how are you at networking? I know COVID has made or, really hard. Very, it's not even yeah, a fair um, question. No, even before COVID, like I, I'm, I don't want to say poor. I'm a, I'm a very friendly person. I'm a very people person, except the problem is it's just so draining for me to deal with these people that the, even the thought of it, it makes me going into it. I mean, it's something I'm working on like daily, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do a, um, a lot more projects. I'm trying to get with my professors about things, that kind of thing, at least starting small, slowly working my way up. It's just, um, <laughs> COVID obviously did not help with it at all, but um, at the very least, I'm, I'm working back on it again now that I'm getting vaccinated and hopefully things start to die down over the summer. Well, let me, let me make a distinction between mentors and networking so that we're, we're clear and the audience is clear. So mentors are typically people with some experience in the area and can guide you or give you advice. They don't have to be in your chain of command. Often you should find some that are not in your chain of command because they can be more objective and you can say some things that maybe you can't say to people in your chain or in your division or department. My daughter is very explicit about mentoring, partly because Microsoft trained her. She works for Microsoft. And so she has a wide range of mentors. But that's different from networking because networking is just people. And they don't have to have any official relationship to you or to your job or to your industry. They're just people. And, And we don't call them friendships, which some of them are. Some of your friends are part of your network. Because that seems to imply, you know, there's something special about that relationship. But you can have relationships with acquaintances, and that's part of your network. And when you go in the job market, I want everyone in your network to know what job you're trying to find. You will be shocked at how many times that produces the job. It's that loose network of people that go beyond your family, beyond your immediate friends, even beyond your faculty. It's those all those other people who have many, many other connections than you have who suddenly connect, you, connect the dot. And people love to help people find jobs. They, they really do. They, they get a huge kick out of, I helped you find that. I feel so good about myself. I helped you find that job. Now, your mentors and your faculty will do that too, but distant cousins that you haven't seen in yeah. five years. Everybody, you got to tell everybody, I'm looking for a job like this. And one of those may just be the, 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 the home run you're looking for. 
So please do that. When, when I was a tech major, I definitely had a bunch of my distant cousins coming up to me like, oh, do you want to do IT for me, my business I'm starting up? I always had to tell them, eh, maybe when I graduate, and then had to tell them that I switched my major drastically. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants IT help. I'm not even an yeah. IT guy, and everybody's asking me for help. <laughs> I was just saying, I went in for game design, and people think that I could fix their Wi-Fi like, by hand, like, ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could talk game design. I, just, I looked into that for quite a while. I actually made some educational games when I had my company down in Georgia. Um, I, I, I was a part of making a couple projects, but they're not anywhere out there just for yeah. school and stuff. So, no, that's fine. So, how, how explicit have you been about mentoring and networking? I, I it always just felt weird to me sometimes because I, 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 I it, the networking that you describe feels to me like using people but I know that's not like what it is like don't get me wrong that's uh it's just like in my mind that's how the wires got crossed and so when I think networking that way I'm just always like I, I always feel bad about like having to approach someone like that but ultimately like, like um I, you know if I really have to I'll go out and add, I, like, I understand how stuff, you feel so. I understand yeah. how I feel <laughs> let me ask you a different question how good are sure. you at taking a compliment getting better <laughs> <laughs> right right not great are you yeah okay and I was the same way and I had to and I had a faculty pull me aside and give me a lecture once because I was so terrible at it a teacher in high school um you have to learn to accept compliments people like giving compliments it makes them feel good and when you don't acknowledge it and don't receive it graciously you kind of undermine the experience that they're having yeah. which is I want to tell you you did something good or that I liked what you did. Right. And that was the message that had to sink into my head. That, that had to be more in the front of my mind than, Oh, I'm a braggart. <laughs> They're saying nice things about me. The cool thing for me to do is to, is to, you know, shrug it off and sound like, Oh, I don't want that compliment. That's not, that's not what they want in return. Yeah. Now extend that to your network. These people aren't going to feel like you're using them. You're feeling like you're giving them an opportunity. You're just saying, hi, I, just so you know, I'm on the job market and I'm, I'm looking for this kind of job and I'm hoping to do it in this city. And if they ever get an opportunity to hook you up with someone, they're just going to feel great about it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not a using thing. So uh, that's how I want to reframe it. I want to reframe that for you because it's really, uh, it's really a wonderful thing to use your network and to have a network. Now imagine that you had a problem come up at work or at school and you called one of these people and said, can you help me talk this out? I, it's not, I know it's not your problem. It's my problem, but I, I need someone to talk to. Kyle, would you take that phone call from one of these people in your network? I actually actively do. Um, I, where I work, um, I can I have a lot of um, people who, aren't as experienced. I'm the most experienced person working there. And a lot of them don't really know what they're doing with some things, or at least have questions about um, orders and stuff. And I'm usually the one they call and I help them walk through it. Um, how does that, I can. How do you feel when you're off the phone? Does it feel good? <laughs> well, probably not, I have, I, not always. Yeah. I, 
I have mixed feelings about it. I do feel good that that at least like the problem is solved and, you know, the customer will be able to go forward and no more issues or at least like any other issues will be unrelated to that. What I fix, but I always feel like this, like internally, like my head hurts sometimes after. Well, I, I wanted, I think I need to make a distinction here between you solving a problem at work for someone who maybe should have solved it themselves or should have learned this or will learn it and hopefully do it in the future versus using your network. You're, you don't use your network oh, okay. to solve a problem at work. Like, I don't know how to do this. You use your network to say, look, I'm thinking about switching careers or I'm thinking about asking for a raise or I'm having trouble with this coworker because they're doing this and this. Do you have any advice? Or how would you handle this? You don't even have to be that explicit. It's those more soft skills that I'm, de- that I'm describing as using your network. When someone calls me and asks me for help with their life like that, I immediately want to help. And I don't want to say I do it because it makes me feel good. I don't think that's the right answer. But it also does help you feel good about yourself, that you're helping. And I think you're a helper. I think you continue going to, you're going to keep helping. So I'm, again, I'm just reframing your network. Your network is full yeah. of helpers like you who want to help. Okay. Now that brings up the time where uh, actually I have a lot of people um, who, who, well, a lot of acquaintances and stuff who like knew my story from offhand or something, you know, they, I, I had a lot of people come up and ask me about, you know, major switching and stuff like that and how the process works. And I guess that's kind of what you're yeah. talking about here. And I would always be glad to help them walk through because it is a scary time, honestly, you know, to think you're going one way and realize, Oh, that's not where I'm going. It's I, I'm always glad to like shed some clarity on the whole thing. Yeah. hopefully help them where they need to go. And so far, no one's been led astray at least. So, <laughs> you know, that reminds me of a question I thought I'd ask you, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, <laughs> um, I guess for my therapist, um, long time ago, she would uh like I would always be describing these times where like I I because I guess I'm kind of a control freak I get it from my mom but um she would always be like stop acting like you need to control everything take what you can't control do something about it the rest of it tell them well she used more explicit terms but to tell them to go away so yeah um yeah and I've taken that to heart and actually it's improved my life quite a bit and I don't recommend it enough to people honestly seriously good advice in fact it mirrors the advice a young man said on my podcast about two episodes ago he's a football player and he said his coach the most important thing you learn from his coach is control the controllables and don't worry about the uncontrollables I don't think I said it exactly the same way but it sounds very similar doesn't it yeah it's and I, I feel like it is a problem you know a lot of people have they just feel like everything's out of their control and they feel that they need to try and express that control on the people, especially now, you know, with everything that's been going on the past year. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes you just need to disconnect and understand that things are going to happen that you can't do with. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. Or at least keep it in your mind. Don't like obviously don't worry about it. Like worry about it if you want, but like keep it in your mind, but don't let it control how you act in the present, you know. 
Right. If it causes you anxiety, if it, if, if you're ruminating about it in bed at night and you can't sleep, you know, mm-hmm. if it's affecting relationships, that's when it's not so good. That's those yeah. uncontrollables that are bringing you down. On the other hand, I love to read the news. I read the news every day, but it doesn't bother me. I don't never, I never anymore at least get bothered by the news. I just soak it up. And so yeah. I, I think if you can do that, that's different. But if you're thinking about it and it's ruining your day, then, then you've got others. That's when you got to let it go. That's my opinion. I, I try to, I, I keep the news on to at least stay up to date with everything that's been going on past that though. I don't try to internalize it as much as possible. No. Uh, there are some things I can't really control about that. Oh, back to the theme of control. But um, <laughs> I, a lot of the times though, I get the notification, I read the headline, I swipe away because I, I got what I think I needed. And if I need to do more research on it, I will. Well, so. Cal, we've got to wrap us up here in a few minutes, but uh, do you feel like you've heard some things that were that are useful to you? I I think it's just most things that have been told to me multiple, multiple times that I just need to start reinforcing and working on ultimately. And I think this was just another kick in the butt to get back onto it and, you know, get back to a life of what used to be, if that makes sense. So, um, well, but I, I, I want to push you a little bit further. I want to hold you accountable. Sure. I, I like to hear you say, I'm going to do these one or two or three things in the next month that I think are going to be productive for what happens after graduation. Well, I do actually have three internship applications and two scholarship applications that I've been meaning to fill out. I haven't yet. So I will make sure to get those done before their deadlines. Um, that's, that's number one. What's number two? Um, I, I'm going to recommend <laughs> one. You can, you can throw it back at me. I recommend sure. that you find a way to write in an area that you really love. And I think that's going to demand you do a little bit of Googling research online for some organizations or websites or blogs or magazines that would take freelance work or that you could yeah. offer some service. Cause I think you're going to want some clips when you graduate. Anyway, you're going to want some samples of stuff that you've gotten published. Absolutely. And I will, then I, I will absolutely do my research. Uh, I actually do have pieces that have been meaning to publish, but I haven't, Ah, there we go. Never got to it. Yeah. All right. So you're going to, and who knows if they will be published, you're going to make the effort. That's the point. You're just Mm going to put it down on your to-do list, find some time and knock off that to-do list. Yeah. I think a third thing, I would probably check in with my network and see if there's anything out there that might help me in the future, starting with internships, but later moving into jobs. So. And that does include mentoring too. So don't be shy about reaching out to your mentors. Or, or creating a relationship Absolutely. with someone who's older and, and have them mentor. Cause that's, that's really a lot. It's done a lot. And most people know about it and like, yeah, I'm flattered to, to be asked to help mentor. And then, you know, they do it for free and it's just kind of a cool experience. Kyle, I'm going to check back in on you. Okay. We'll have you back. Later. All right. Sounds good. I'll be waiting. All right. Thanks for your time today. I'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Growing Up Sucks podcast with Eric Lauber. 